You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. Hi, I am Ahanu, and on behalf of Angel Rose, I'd like to welcome you to this session of the Honest to God series. Now, this session is a recording from a talk, a presentation that we did, where we were invited by the Spiritual Awareness Community of Bend, Oregon, to speak to their community in the Old Stone Church in Bend. Now, I do apologize in advance because it is an old stone church, very high ceilings and a huge big open space. So there is some reverberation. It's it's quite crackly in places, but we have cleaned it up as best we can. And the content is what we believe you might find most interesting because the talk was entitled, Is Loss a Doorway to Transformation? And we hope you enjoy it. Angel Rose and I have had some tragedies in our lives and so I'm sure has everybody here. So we want to look tonight if loss leads to transformation. Marcus Aurelius himself said, loss is nothing else but change and change is nature's delight. I'm not sure that I agree with that because we've had so much change in our lives and it hasn't always been a delight. We want to talk about loss tonight, and we want to talk about it on multiple levels. We have to take into account loss of a home, loss of a job, loss of money, as well as loss of a loved one. And we perceive all these losses as levels, because I think it's fair to say that somebody who loses five dollars will feel differently than somebody who loses five million, for example. Or if somebody loses their job in McDonald's, might mourn about that, but equally somebody who, president, if he loses his job, he might be in private state. (laughs) (laughs) So there are many levels to this loss, and it's going to be difficult to touch on all of them. But one of the things that we have recognized is that Ultimately, all loss has something to do with death. So, for the sake of the short time that we have tonight, I just want to look at loss in general as it pertains to death, because I think that everybody can identify with that. Because we've only got 45 minutes, we're going to take a format that I want to outline to you, and we're going to ask people in the room for the first maybe 10 minutes, has loss led to transformation in your life? And would you have made those changes without the loss? And tell us particularly about the changes, the transformation. Now, the other thing that needs to be said is that most people here know each other and know us. And we always mention about confidentiality because sometimes when we speak about loss, things can get personal. And we do want to maintain that safe space here tonight. The other thing is that we're not grief counsellors and there may be grief counsellors here in the room who may be able to help people. It won't be us. That's not our forte. We're hoping that we might spark something that may help along the way and lead to transformation. 
The other thing is that we want to arrive at a conclusion tonight in the short space of time. And that conclusion would be that part of coming to peace about death is being able to accept what is without judgment. And then we want to give you notice of a workshop that we've decided to do arising out of this. And where it came from was, in the lead up to this talk tonight, Engel Rose and I both had little mini meltdowns because the losses that we've experienced in our lives started coming up and we thought they were dealt with. And as they came up, we felt the need to journal about it and to space it out in the form of a possible workshop, which we'll introduce to you at the end. And then leading up to this session tonight, we also went into the Akashic Records. Most people will know that that's what we do on a regular basis. And we went into the Akashic Records to ask Source, what is loss? What is the definition of loss? What does it mean? And do we have to learn through adversity? And we were very surprised at the answers that came back to us. And we're going to outline some of those answers tonight. And we also made a recording of that. And that's the reason why we sent around the email list form. Because we would like to offer that to you over the next week. We will send you a copy of that recording. So now I want to introduce Angel Rose to tell you about our little meltdown. <laughs> we're not going to give those details. Thank you all for, for coming. When we go around the room and we want to know how a loss led to a transformation for you, we don't have time to hear the story. We don't want to know what happened or how it happened or any of the background. All we want to know is you can say the loss was, whether it's a loss of a pet, a loved one, a job, just say that. And just say if it led to a transformation in your life that led you to a higher place is really what we're interested in. My own little story is I had a death when I was 19 of a husband, and I would not have gotten on a spiritual path at that point in my life. In fact, I don't know if I ever would have, really. I just wanted to be a mom and have babies. And that took me to my first psychic, which took me to this whole spiritual journey at a very young age. So it was a huge transformation for me, a complete 180 from what I had planned for myself. So that's my, and I've had others, but that's, that's the only piece I'll offer right now. So, Ahanu? We all expect our parents to die. We don't expect our children to die. And we've had Dee and Linda and Carol mention about their children dying. And my son also died on my birthday. And the reason why I'm raising this now, not to single this out, but simply to attend to what Daryl said about it not being a loss. Because for me, I was the kind of guy at that age that the world was my oyster that everything was in my control, that I could get over anything, that I couldn't see anything as a loss, no matter what it was, till my own son died. To give you an idea of the arrogance that I felt in that time, 
I actually said out loud, I'll be over this in a month. Can you believe that? I actually said that I would be over this in a month. And I can tell you that 12 years later, I was still suffering the same as I was the moment he died. Because there's something about the loss that is not intellectual. It's not something that you can talk yourself out of. You know, you feel it in your, in your blood, in your, in your muscles, in your sinew, in your stomach. Everything about it, it just pulls and drains every life force out of you. So it's that kind of loss that we're trying to, to look to see. Do we have to learn like that? Is that what we have to go through to be spiritual? Or to come into some kind of awareness? For me, what helped me after all those years, and it was only after I met Angel Rose that I came into a little realization about Ryan's death. And that was that as my child, I felt that I owned him. He was my child. And I was responsible for his life. And all the rest of it, his education and the usual that goes with it. I didn't take into account that he might be an old soul in his own right, a unique spirit that has a life journey of his own. And when I came into that realization, I knew then that he actually had something to do with his own death. To try and clear that in my head was a huge hurdle. Because up until that time, I felt that I was responsible for his death. So there's an amazing kind of healing that can come from these realizations. But the question still remains, could I have short-circuited those 24 years of turmoil and pain and trauma? Could I, could I have short Why did it have to happen in the first place? The other thing I wanted before I hand this microphone to Angel Rose is to point out that in this room, almost half of the people here are men. Now, for men to sit in a circle and be open and honest about loss, I think is commendable. I think it's absolutely amazing. Talk about a growth of awareness from the time when, when my loss happened. In that period of time, this world has shifted. And the men here are a testament to that amazing spiritual growth. All right, so you've all really described a process of loss and how it has eventually led to a transformation. But I have to tell you, when we went in the records yesterday or the day before and we asked Source its definition of loss, we got very different perspectives as you would with Source. And so we decided that this conversation really had to be divided into two parts. The first part was proving or acknowledging that Yes, loss does lead to transformation. It can either cause a transformation that takes you into a decline, or it's a transformation that catapults your life into a new life. And what you decide to do with that shock and that space, which is what we were talking about, is that when you do experience a loss, no matter what it is, your first reaction is shock. You're in shock. Your body just 
stops what it's doing. And so that, that in itself is a huge paradigm shift right there because all of a sudden things can never be the same. We try to make it go back to the way it was. We search for ways to make it reverse itself, whatever the loss was, but it doesn't work. I even know a woman whose husband passed away and she so could not accept that that she didn't, he was the head of a company and she didn't tell anybody he died. She didn't tell anybody for four or five months. She, during that time, she found every book she could and tried to bring him back to life. She believed that he could be brought back to life. So she spent four or five months trying everything she could because she couldn't accept the fact that he was gone. So finally she came out with it and everybody found out and everybody was a bit shocked just by that, that this head of this company had passed away and nobody knew. The point is, is we all go through varying levels of that, this shock to our system. But I think there is something that does drive us and what we've all witnessed probably is that there is a life urge. There is a something, whether it's your own higher self or it's the life principle itself that pushes you forward into something new. So why does that have to happen is the question we were asking. In my case, at 19 years old, obviously I wasn't connected to my own higher self because I needed that experience to wake me up to a spiritual possibility. And was I always destined to be spiritual, probably, or a teacher? Could I have come to that realization by not going through such pain? And I think at the level of consciousness that the human race is at, I probably couldn't have because I wasn't connected to my higher self with an awareness of this is your best gifts, go in this direction. I was floundering around at that age. I, I, aside from wanting to be a mom, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of any of my other gifts or abilities at all. But there is that precipice that you're on where you're either going to fall down a black hole and be paralyzed forever, or you're going to turn, look for that new window of opportunity. And losses are drastic, the rug pulling, being pulled out from under you so that you change, so that there's an opening. But the point is, is there is the opening. It erases what's in your life that isn't the highest expression of you and it makes you look elsewhere. So if you can flow with that, and if you notice, there is some force out there that does provide the new opportunities. Somebody will come and offer you something, somebody will lead you, whether it's a new location, whether it's a different home, whether it's a different partner, whether it's no partner. There is something within you that urges you and says, come on, come on, there's more to you here, there's more. The window's been opened. In my case, I was married to somebody who was extremely jealous. I mean, insanely jealous. And, and I was 18, and so it didn't begin that way, but gradually as we got more serious, and then when we got engaged, he owned me. He was, he was father was one of those Italians that never let his wife outside, if you get the idea. And he started treating me like that, and I, I put up with it because I was too insecure to lose him, right? So when he died, honestly, I thought God said, you're not doing this for the rest of your life. I'm taking this out because you're not meant to do this. 
And it happened one other time in my life when I did have a partner who committed suicide, but it was the same sort of oppressive relationship. And that got taken away from me as well. And I look back now and I say, thank you, God. The point is, is why did I have to be so stupid, excuse me, where I couldn't even real, realize or say no to a relationships, two relationships that were definitely not healthy? I had to have something drastic happen to cause me to change. And, and a lot of times we can look at the patterns of our lives in retrospect and say, yes, you know, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have gotten out of that, or I wouldn't have made those changes. I would have stayed in this complacent life and not had the courage to make certain changes. Now, we also acknowledge that any sort of loss or death goes through its stages, and you have to honor those stages and acknowledge them, and I personally don't think there's ever an end to grief. I think it just cycles around periodically. You're okay, and then it cycles around again and again, and you go through these memories, you're flooded with memories, and. To me, it's like, just let those memories come. There's times when I'm in this reverie and I'm back 20 or 30 years and I'm going through it all over again in my mind and asking myself, okay, how have I shifted since then? How am I different since then? Look, sometimes I look back and say, wow, what an idiot you were. And other times I say, no, I'm glad I loved to the highest degree that I could love no matter what happened. So honestly, I really don't have any judgment in all of those. It's just that I think we have to be kind to ourselves through loss because it is a complete paradigm shift. It's a jar out of your existing life. But the purpose of it from the higher perspective is to open doors so that you can make a change that will lead you someplace higher. So it's important that we, we don't stay in a victim place with it because if we do for too long, and I mean for too long, not that you wouldn't initially, it has the, and I've met people who who can't come out of themselves anymore. They have such a hard heart now. They're so self-protective that they can't allow love in. They can't embrace the opportunities that might come right in front of their face. So it's hard sometimes for people to shift. The second part of this that I'd like to go into is that it's a whole other dimension of loss and it's not about looking at loss with its benefits. We're acknowledging that loss has had its benefits for us. And as long as the human race believes in this, it will continue. As long as we think we have to learn through loss and pain and suffering, we will. But I always ask, is it the highest way to learn in this world? So Source had an answer that kind of reminded us that God's will for you is perfect happiness. It either means it or it doesn't. So if God's will for you is perfect happiness and it makes it clear that loss is not from source. Loss didn't create suffering. I know I have a Catholic mother who would disagree with me. My mother's been in pain since my brother passed away at 22 years old, and her Catholic priest keeps telling her that she's, she's especially chosen by God to suffer like Jesus, okay, for the sins of all of us. So there is that belief system that does run through many people that believes that they have to go through something like that in order to be kind of like the alchemist, right? The alchemist, you have to be transformed. You have to go through this purification process and this pain in order to come out gold at the end. That belief system pervades 
a lot of us. In fact, it probably pervades most of us at some level. But when we ask Source about it, now this might not agree with everybody, but I, of course we have to say it because this is what Source led us to talk about. And again, I'm bringing this up not, not to judge our losses or the transformation that's happened or the gratitude we have from them. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that on a whole other dimension in terms of a paradigm of consciousness and people who say they want peace in the world, are you ever going to get it as long as we believe in suffering and loss and death as a real way to live, as a real way to live, as a chosen way to live? Because all of us can admit that when we go through those things, it is not fun. Let's take a quick little studio break right here. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this with our presentation to the Spiritual Awareness Community at the Old Stone Church in Bend, Oregon on the subject of Is Loss a Doorway to Transformation? Years of research, thousands of profound statements, hundreds of sessions, miles of transcripts, months of listening, a vast archive of personal power and spiritual awareness awaits you. Join worldofempowerment.com today, a website of practical spirituality for your fast-changing world. worldofempowerment.com It is not fun. Sometimes it lasts for years. When I met Ahanu, I was talking to him at a swimming pool and we were at a workshop and he knew I was a reader and he came over to me and the very first words out of his mouth were, I lost my baby at four months old. And that had been, I don't know how many years after the fact, but it was the very first thing he said to me. He still wasn't over it. So is this natural, really? Is it natural to, to God consciousness? And it's unfortunate that we have to realize God through those experiences. We do, and there's nothing wrong with them, and they do transform us, but is it the highest way? We asked sources its definition of loss, and what it said to us was the temptation to be guilty. <laughs> and I thought that was an interesting answer. The temptation to be guilty, and then basically said too that our death is an accumulation of our self-judgment. In other words, we kill ourselves. The point is it was bringing up a paradigm, it called it the loss paradigm, where because we're always judging all the time, and it happens very much at a, a very unconscious, subliminal level, but we're always measuring, comparing, judging, evaluating ourselves in relationship to, whether it's a guru who's achieved enlightenment, or it's somebody who's become more successful monetarily, someone who has a nicer house, someone who has a better relationship, we're always doing this, and it's such a subliminal paradigm that the whole world is really run by it. It's run by judgment and comparison and measuring. As long as we're doing that, we make, our, we make ourselves sick. Sickness is a result of doing that. So Source was talking to us about the level of what would it mean to shift out of that type of a paradigm in your mind? Could you shift over to believe that when God says, God's will for you is perfect happiness. It means it. And what would that look like if we could live out of that state of consciousness? It calls it the innocent paradigm. Could you go to an innocent paradigm in your mind 
and believe that all that you ever deserved was goodness and happiness and joy. And even that word deserving is caught up in the judgments because are we worthy? And let's look at some of the things we think we have to do to be worthy. You have to work hard. You have to work. You have to sacrifice. You have to earn. You can't get anywhere unless you earn it. And if somebody happens to be given something without earning it, we're in judgment of that person, or we're jealous, or we're, we're like, well, you know, what makes them so special that they got that without earning it, working hard for it? And so this is all bullshit in Source's view. This doing this, doing this human thing where we're feeling like in order to achieve some sort of reward or goodness or abundance from Source, that we have to somehow keep purging ourselves, keep earning it, keep striving, keep doing whatever. Source puts all of that in the loss paradigm, the paradigm of loss in your consciousness. And as long as we're in that, I mean, look at our world now. Look what's happening with our president. Look what's happening with the world. Look at what's happening with the reactions. Let's just say the reactions of all of this. I mean, you see it everywhere. This is our world. This is the paradigm that everybody's in. We're judging this one for that, or that one for this, or this one deserves to die, and this one, you know, and my religion is better than yours. And, and in our own heart, we can say, well, we don't really believe that. But the truth is, is, if you're feeling anything other than happiness, you're in the lost paradigm. Because God's world is bliss, and you don't have to die to experience it. People do die and experience it when they die, because they're free of this dimension of consciousness. So... That's where they go back to, is that wonderful place of love. But truth is, is we're really meant to bring heaven here. Sources want planets and worlds to be paradises. That's the whole point of life. And it's proven that life is stronger than death because it will push forth and continue on no matter what. You know, we use the example of in Ireland, there's a place called the Burren. It's just rock. It used to be underwater. It used to be very plentiful, and now it's just rock. But these beautiful orchids grow out of this rock. Nowhere, only one other place in the world, I believe. And Or you see vast forests that burn up, and everybody's oh so sorrowful about those forests. They're all burnt. But you go back three or four years later, and there's all this fresh new growth in there, and everything's popping out. And so life, life is what the truth is. Life continues. So why do we kill ourselves? And, and even when I was really strongly into rebirthing, and I, and I love Sandra Ray and Leonard Orr, who were the founders, Sandra Ray used to say, all death is suicide. And we just don't think of it that way because it's slow and it's not obvious, okay? Or how about all sickness is suicide? Could you switch to an innocent paradigm where everybody is innocent and you, saw, you literally see nothing else but their innocence, and there's no judgment against yourself. There's no measuring. There's no, am I worthy? There's no, you know, what do I have to do next? Why did this happen to me? I must be bad. I thought that many times when I've gone through a loss. I must be bad. There must be something about me that's bad that I'm not aware of. But this stuff is programmed into us subliminally. Our world is really based on guilt, if you think about it. I mean, our justice system is you have to prove yourself innocent after they decide you're guilty first. 
But the whole thing is, is geared this way, so source seemed to care more about, can we shift this paradigm, people? Can we shift over our consciousness? Can we look at this stuff in a way where we don't cause death anymore? In fact, at the end of what Source told us, what it said to me was to ask my husband who died for forgiveness, for agreeing to death with him, for agreeing to it with him, agree with this paradigm of loss and death. And I thought, wow, isn't that an interesting statement? to say that, because I'm agreeing to this belief system, I'm contributing to it. So when Ahano told you that we created a seminar, what it was was just a nine-week exploration into this whole paradigm shift. What does it look like? If you could actually shift and believe in your own innocence and look at what you might have going on, you know, I, part of my meltdown today was I didn't know what was happening. You know, as usual, when you're going to give a talk, the subject of your talk starts bubbling up in you, within you, weeks before you're going to give it. And, and I, was, I was really agitated and not happy and, you know, sick, sick, physically ill, and what's the matter with me? And moved into this beautiful new home and couldn't enjoy it, and what the hell's my problem, right? And, you know, I didn't know what was happening, so it wasn't until... We started looking at this from Source's point of view, or all of a sudden, it went back to my birth again. Again, here's my back to my birth. But it makes the point that my mother made it clear that she didn't want us. She didn't want to be pregnant, and she was Catholic, so of course there was no birth control, and she just had the three of us. And, well, you know, I never wanted any of you. But the point is, is that when you're being created in the womb, and you have a mother who's rejecting you from the get-go, that gets hardwired into you. It gets hardwired so you come out with this belief that life doesn't want you. And so that, is, that came up again for me. And I thought, well, of course I can't enjoy this beautiful house because I'm not supposed to have these things. I'm not supposed to have all this life-affirming, wonderful, miraculous stuff that's gone on in my life because I'm not wanted by life. That was my meltdown today. I thought, this is that lost paradigm, how it's manifested through me. My whole life is that every time something wonderful occurs, I can't totally embrace it because on the other flip side, I'm thinking, oh no, you know, you're going to be punished for that because your program is that life doesn't want you. But all of a sudden, this flood of all these examples of how many things in my life have occurred that have affirmed for me or why I can't ever really feel happiness because if I do I'm going to be punished because I'm not supposed to be here. This is this deeply subliminal psychological patterning that goes on with us that affects our worthiness, affects our abundance, affects what we can accept for ourselves, how much love we can embrace. I have the most wonderful husband in the whole world and I can see where I haven't completely even surrendered to that because you never know what might happen. But this is the lost paradigm and we all have varying degrees of it. And so we just created a nine-week thing, very cheap, by the way, no big money involved. For anybody who wants to come weekly and just explore the lost paradigm within themselves and shift it over to the innocent paradigm. Because Source does say to us, you know, and anybody who studies the Course in Miracles, 
knows that source pulls no bones about the fact that we live in a dream world made up by our minds. But it also says, why not have a happy dream instead of a nightmare dream? And that's the same example. The lost paradigm is our nightmare dream. The happy dream is realizing that God says yes to you for all kinds of fantastic things. If you could just accept it as true for yourself without some sort of, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? But that other shoe going to drop consciousness is the lost paradigm. Well, what gives you the right? What makes you think you can have that without some sort of payment? And as you can see, too, look at our banking system. Anything you, you want a loan? Sure, with interest. With interest, I'm going to make you pay more for the same amount of money. Everything's based on more and more. You have to pay more. So this was, this was the other part, too, of the loss. And again, I don't want to negate all of the wonderful transformations we've all had through loss. Those are very real. And it's too bad we couldn't have learned them any other way. But sources always said in the Course, too, why not choose to learn through joy instead? of pain. But I think we just expect death and we expect loss. We have to come to a place where we say, well, why, why expect it? Why? And you know, I'll go to the other extreme too because I'm somebody who loves any sort of books on physical immortality because I just think it's cool. And it isn't that you stay in your body forever, it's the fact that you can choose whether you're going to stay or not. And there's many immortalists in the world today, some three, four, five, six, seven hundred years old. And they've overcome the lost paradigm, the belief in death. They've decided not to believe in it anymore, but it's a process because it's hardwired in the cells. That's the best thing I can give you tonight to think about, hopefully, when you leave, is just exploring the possibility of an innocent paradigm filled with abundance and happiness and blessings, where we can accept that as the truth and offer it to everybody else at the same time. Because you can't leave anybody out in the innocent paradigm. It's not possible that you can say, well, yeah, I can see this person innocent or that, but not that. And, oh, no, that's just too terrible. So it's an all or nothing decision. And I would like to just invite anybody who's interested to explore this with us. I don't know what's going to happen in it. I just know that it's a big one. Go ahead, Hannah. Okay, we did promise at the outset that we would come to a conclusion by the end and close of play today. And we said that part of coming to peace about loss is being able to accept what is without judgment. Now, Angie Rose mentioned about this little workshop that we were planning, but as part of the Akashic Records conclusion that we came to just this last couple of days, I'm going to read to you what she said. She said, we must remember we are all in this together. And why that's important is because it's great for one or two of us to come into some great realization about impermanence of life or what we consider to be the permanence of death or whatever. Just one individual. But it's the collective consciousness that must shift. So we are all in this together. We have all been agreeing to the punishment paradigm. To reconcile loss, we can choose to stop believing in it. 
that it has any value or lasting purpose. Instead, let's all make the choice for learning through joy and let's forgive ourselves and all others who have chosen to die or go through loss as a way to feel worthy. The one comment I want to make too is the question we asked Source was, some belief systems say that joy and sorrow are the same things. And Source says, no, how could they be? And they're not. It's kind of like when people say, well, you can never know love unless you know hate. And Source has always said bullshit to that as well. <laughs> it's like when you have an experience of love, you know what it feels like. You know what joy feels like. You know what happiness feels like. You know what it feels like when you have a, a wonderfully serendipitous experience, right, where it seems like miracles are happening to you. It's the most joyful, elated, positive, creative feeling you could ever have. You're in, you're in miracle consciousness. You are. And that's so different than saying, oh, I have to sacrifice here. I have to go through this horribly painful experience, hoping that at the end, there'll be some light at the end of the tunnel. And Source makes a distinction. First of all, it's always told us, look, love doesn't have an opposite, first of all. There is no, hate is not an opposite to love. Love is all-encompassing in and of itself. And it doesn't embody hate either. Hate is not a part of it. Okay, these are things made up in our own minds about that. And that's the point. I'll just tell this one brief thing, but it reminded me of, you know, anybody who knows me know I'm, I go through some fear when I'm going to fly. Now, knowing my pattern now, right, of not being wanted, I get the worst terror when I'm going someplace that's going to be extremely joyful. And I freak out, oh, I'll have my tarot cards and I'll pull my, I'm the devil, it's the devil, you know. I'm going to die in this plane crash. But it's because my pattern says you, you, you don't, you're rejected by life. Remember your mother, you know? So if you're going to something that's really enlivening, you automatically feel guilty. Oh, shit. So now that I realize that, you say, what do you do with it? Okay, but as soon as anything becomes conscious, number one, the energy starts to unravel. And number two, you can say, oh, well, I don't have to believe that anymore. But unless you know you believe it, you're kind of stuck. But this one day, we were coming back from Minnesota, remember? And of course, we can expect high turbulence, you know, the pilot says. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in my seat going, of course, of course. You know, the days of smooth flights are over. But anyway, I asked God, I, I asked, I said, okay, I choose peace. What do I, help me, help me, help me. And it finally said, imagine that you're in paradise right now. Paradise Earth, to be specific, which does exist right now. Imagine you're in Paradise Earth. All of a sudden, everything shifted. The clouds that were bumpy were, were friends that were holding the plane up. You know, the, the destination I was coming to was they were preparing a big celebration for our arrival. In fact, for everybody's arrival on the plane. There was no possibility of rejection. It was you were welcomed everywhere you went, no matter what. Everybody was celebrated, everybody was accepted. And it just reminded me of this one experience I had with Babaji, who, who was an immortal master one time, where Babaji came to me and took me to the river Ganges. And he baptized me in the water and put rose petals all over me. And the love I felt from that being, it was a perfect male-female, but the love was unmistakable. Unmistakable. It was, it was almost like... This is it. You're loved completely. No questions asked. No, did you earn it? Did you do enough penance today? Did you give enough to others today? Did you? There was none of that. It was just total 
because you are. And I had the same experience with St. Bridget in Ireland, who came right out and said you could never be condemned. But that's true of everybody. Thank you. That's nice. We do have handouts, by the way, about the nine weeks, if anybody's interested. Thank you, everybody. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.